Good morning, everybody. And thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful, sunny South Florida morning. Um, I'm so excited to announce that we have the queen of denial with us today. So Robin Sewell <laughs> is here. She's joining us this morning for a chat about revenue cycle management. Thanks, Robin, so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Christine. It's an honor and a privilege. We go way back. So I've been looking forward to this little chat. Thanks. So um, I'm, I'm just going to kind of continue um, with the chat that I've been having with our listeners about compliance. So last week we talked about implementing an internal audit and a monitoring system. Um, we chatted about data mining and ways to identify opportunities and to mitigate any possible risks and doing a review. So I thought that another great area that we should look at is revenue cycle management. So what is revenue cycle management? Well, that's a great question. Um, the way that I look at revenue cycle management is that it includes everyone in the business office. So from the scheduler, the front office representative, your coder, your biller, your claim specialist. Yeah, that person, your patient accounts manager, um, even your administration, right? Everybody is a key component of the claims adjudication, basically, whether it's going to get paid or it's going to get denied. So, Absolutely. Yeah, right? It's kind of been my experience that we have about four different types of categories. We have um, demographic denials, and I, I have a really funny story to tell you about that, Robin. Um, coding denials, benefit denials, and then those back-end denials. So things like maybe duplicate claims or timely filing. Um, where do you see denials originating from, Robin? Well, where do they, I mean, my specialty is denials. So um, for the most part, I see them on the hospital side, the inpatient side, we see clinical validation denials. And by that, I mean, um, the, a DRG was submitted for payment and the payer has come back and performed a clinical validation audit and said, you know, this particular diagnosis code such as sepsis is not supported by our clinical criteria. And so they removed that diagnosis, which does affect the payment. So um, those clinical validation denials and medical necessity denials. Now, I just want to say that medical necessity denials have a different definition on inpatient that they do in outpatient. So for inpatient, it means that the payer says um, this patient should have been an observation. They shouldn't have been admitted as an inpatient. So that's what we mean when we refer to medical necessity. But on the outpatient side, we think of medical necessity as the conditions that are uh, or procedures that are listed in the NCDs and LCDs, like your bariatric surgery, your vertebroplasties, uh, your cataract surgeries, spinal stimulation. I could go on and on, you know, what the medical necessities, you know, for those. I always say that um, I, I try to recreate the word medical necessity to be a sentence rather than a phrase. And I always say it's, is it medically necessary for the payer 
to pay this bill? Mm -hmm. Have we met all of the criteria that a payer is expecting to see for them to pay this bill? I mean, I, I can walk into my doctor's office tomorrow and say, hey, I, I want a bubonic plague test. Um, <laughs> but well, wait a minute. I need to, uh, there's no medical necessity for my payer to pay for that. I mean, if I want to come out of pocket, hey, more power to me, right? But um, Absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, you know, there's been this misconception in the industry that um, medical necessity, as long as I have a diagnosis that's listed in the NCD and LCD, which I'm not, I don't even think they put them there anymore, the, the, the list of diagnoses. Now they're in the local coverage um, articles. They took them out of the LCD and created. I mean, for some new people in the industry, it's, it's always been there. But for us that have been in the industry for maybe a little bit longer, <laughs> we uh, had undetermined amount. Right. Yeah. Undetermined amount of volume. I love that. Um, <laughs> we only had the LCDs that were out there. Um, did you know that CMS carved out an entire website that is dedicated just to finding all the NCDs and LCDs for every Mac? They've come a and, long way, haven't they? They've make, they're making it easier. Sometimes that stuff is buried in there like a needle in a haystack. So, yeah. But yeah, so we're looking, when we think of medical necessity, we're not just looking for a specific diagnosis that's on one of those their policies we're talking about actual you know a checklist of criteria was this treatment tried did they fail um outpatient uh or did they fail you know conservative therapies you know did they so you really have to be if you know that your your provider your facility performs these uh particular procedures that are not just you know on the cms L lcds ncds a lot of our commercial payers are going to be following a lot of some of some of those same policies and have their own. So, you know, compliance involves knowing what those policies are. Um, recently, I was on a panel on an AAPC um, Ask and Learn, and I found an absolute gem of a resource. And, and I, I, I was just thinking about as we're talking, so I don't even think that Lexi has a link for it yet, but um, everybody or anybody that is an AAPC member, when you log into AAPC, there's a resource tab. And, and AAPC, I got to tell you, I know that you've rebranded and you updated your website, but some people who have older eyes are having a hard time seeing those little tiny fonts. Anyway, um, if you go to the resource tab, in your resource tab, you have uh, references there. And one of the references is for the tools. There's an amazing tool, Robin, that AAPC has that has listed just about every payer, a link to their website, a link to their payer policies, a link to um, credentialing, and then to that payer website's search engine. Everything's on one page. That's awesome. That is a wonderful resource. I wish that I had uh, the years of my life back that I have spent hunting policies. Oh, you got <laughs> that right. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I like what you said, those of us with older eyes. I'm like, yeah, it's like these readers are no longer sufficient. I need a screen magnifier at this point. 
my screen also i have magnified it and my phone my phone is ridiculous there's like three characters and i have to keep moving forward on it um but there there's also a bunch of other wonderful kind of tools out there um Besides looking at our NCDs and LCDs, I know that a lot of the Macs now have checklists that are available in their TPE link. So when you mm -hmm. go to the Mac, like, so our Mac is first co-service options. And if you go to the TPE link, it's not only going to tell you what TPEs are active right now. And, and for those of you that are not familiar, that's target probe and educate keyword being target. Um, and, and they give us checklists of all of the documentation that is needed to support their additional documentation request. So there's there's a lot of things out there. And I noticed on your website, Robin, that you also have put together quite a few wonderful little tools. That vertebroplasty tool that you have is incredible. Well, thank it's you. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's available so for download on my website. Um, you know, as the as policies change, of course, these things need to be updated. But um, yeah, you're welcome to download it. So I think it's nice that we have we have many tools at at our disposal to kind of look at our claims beforehand before we send them out to mitigate any possible denials. But then, you know, if we do get a denial to assist us in a successful appeal process, we need to have access to those policies, checklists, um, and really edify ourselves so that we can make sure that we're getting paid and then educate. You know, you might, you might have to go with your LCD or your payer policy and have a little chat with your provider and say, look, I know that you've been doing this a really long time and I'm not asking you to change the way you do it, but could you, you know, make sure that your documentation really includes the things that you're doing. You know, you did check to see if there were any first fails like um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or physical therapy. So those types of things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that's important too is that, so the payers aren't just looking at the providers that are doing the surgery. They're also looking at the hospital outpatient and ASC departments and, that are billing the same procedure code. So support one another. You know, we don't want, um, you know, the hospital outpatient and the ambulatory surgery center to get payment taken away either. So, um, you know, make sure that those records are complete um, when, you know, prior to the patient receiving any of these uh, procedures. And, you know, unfortunately, and I was just reading an article, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Hirsch on LinkedIn, he posted an OIG report about the bariatric surgeries and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's often not consistencies among the MACs. So, you know, for example, if you were to look at my vertebroplasty checklist, it goes by MAC, you know, um, a lot of it's the same, but there are some variations. And so, you know, there's not necessarily a one size fits all. So, you know, make sure that you're complying with, um, you know, your yeah. particular MAC and because it should be consistent, but unfortunately it's not. It's, it's better than it was. For, for those of you that are new to the industry, it, it was before it was very difficult to find out what each one of the Macs were requesting. And I know what you're talking about. Uh, I was doing an audit in Texas 
and Texas is Novitas. And although there is a relationship between First Coast, the MAC here in Florida, and Novitas in Texas, um, Visco supplementation has different requirements in Texas and in Florida. So mm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's just, it does. Sometimes, you know, here's a tip um, if you are, if you received a denial and you're in Novitas or, you know, you're in First Coast and you met the requirements in Novitas, you know, that those inconsistencies should be called out in your appeal, you know, because Medicare, CMS, you know, they, oversee the racks and the max and everything they want consistency among the among it too because you know their primary concern is the beneficiary absolutely and i noticed too i have a friend of mine who's an administrative um law judge for an alj for cms and and they said that those references to the other max to their lcds once we get past that mac level of appeal and we start getting into the CMS or the federal appeal process, um, that's when the weight is is huge when you reference those other Macs out there. So you're absolutely right. And I always said, I said something similar to that in, in my past years. I had a billing company for a long time and, and I always called CMS the godfather. And so if you didn't find a, a Mac, I mean, a, an LCD for your state, borrow another Mac's LCD because at least you have some guidance that you can reference. And then if you do have to take it to a federal level, well, then there, there's equality there. Absolutely. So. Yep. Good advice. Thanks. So we have, um, there's a few other references. Have you ever heard of um, X12, the website X12? I don't believe I have. What is that? It's an incredible website. It gives us all of the denial adjustment reason codes. Okay. So link to it there. And so that one down. Yeah. So we've been talking about medical necessity. Um, and so I'm sure that everyone has encountered at least once your CO50. Or as you're looking at those remittance advices and there's all the other little codes, you know, one code kind of denial reason code kind of links to another denial reason code. And rather than having to go and, and look that up on the Mac or on the, the payer policy site, this website x12.org, you know, it's, it's actually been around about 10 years I've been using wow. it. Incredible yeah. site. And, but the thing is, we don't know about these things until we network together and we have chats like, oh, I'm using this or you're using that. And, you know, here's great ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but the x12.org is, is a super, super amazing resource to find out about all of those different types of denial reason codes. Um, yeah. And another thing that I have always um, recommended is take the time to enter those denial reason codes into your EMRs. So that way you can pull some easy reports. There's a, a you know, EMRs have come a long way yes. since I first started. They're super smart now and um, absolutely incredible. But as you are able to enter those denials or capture them from your electronic remittances, mm -hmm. then you can start building those reports to show you where your common denial areas are. And um, I told you I was going to share this funny story with you we were doing some data mining in a practice and I've shared this with you before, Robin. Um, 
where we found some of those demographic denials were very, very high. The patient's date of birth wasn't matching or the, no, the name wasn't matching or the ID number wasn't matching. So we took some time to go over and talk to the front desk person or, or the data entry for the front desk. And it turns out that she was dyslexic. So we moved her over to referrals. We had someone new step into that role. And suddenly those denial reasons, they, they I'm so, but you know, that's a happy story. You know, they could have, <laughs> they could have said, you know, you're just not a good fit for this and bye-bye, you know, I guess, but that's, that's a, that's, you know, kind of, kind of funny, but you know, it's got a happy ending, you know, so, but yeah, yeah. you never know what little things until you, um, you know, start tracking them. Of course, that's what um, my, my software application, Cleopatra Queen of Denial, it's uh, provides those insights of, um, you know, what, you know, charts and graphs, what types of denials are we continuing to see? What's the root cause? So you can actually get to the bottom of that. Um, it's really meant for the hospital revenue cycle, the um, the DRG part, but um, it, uh, you know, definitely can help on the, um, you know, the uh, the outpatient side as well. Thanks a lot, Robin. You know, we need more of those types of tools because the EMRs that have these, um, that capture that data, sometimes they're the more costly EMRs or the ones we see in a larger payer system. And yeah. you might be in a, you know, two, three, four, five doctor practice, and that's just out of your budget. It's out of your wheelhouse. Absolutely. Yes. So to have something that is available, that's incredible. I really, really feel that's incredible. And and yeah. maybe even some um, um, critical access hospitals can start mm -hmm. thinking about bringing those in or uh, larger FQHCs or RHCs, the, the federally qualified healthcare centers or the rural health centers, that might be a good place for them to also kind of uh, get in touch with you and see how you can help them kind of reduce their denials using your product. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, going back to what you were saying about that resource, I wanted to, uh, uh, if it's okay, I wanted to do a little plug. There's this, um, or there's this fairly new resource out there. It's called projectconverge.net. And what that, um, what they're attempting to do is to bring all those helpful resources together in the industry. So I'm going to check with the administrator and see if they have that on on their, um, you know, I, in what you were mentioning about the AAPC, all of those links and everything um, to the payers and their policies that there's wonderful resources out there for compliance, but they're everywhere. So Project Converge has kind of converged it all together and, um, you know, made like a one-stop shop for, you know, people that are in the industry. Instead of saying, God, where did I find that? I can't find it again. What am I going to do? You know, so I just want to put a plug for that. I think that's awesome. Like I said before, I wish I had the years of my life back that I spent I searching. Or, yep. oh, I remember that there was this site one time that I was on. Um, I, for some reason, when I go to CMS and I start looking for resources that I remember using, I forget where they are. I should start like 
maybe putting them on my desktop or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, and just when you get them all bookmarked, something changes anyway. <laughs> yeah, but have one area that we could go to. I mean, that's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm always such a huge advocate for those types of resources there that save us time, and they're, they're reparable. They're, they are the, the regulatory resources. Those are the resources that are true and factual. Mm -hmm. um, because you know everybody's got an opinion. I got to be honest. I kind of stay away from a lot of the chats and Facebook because um, this is how we do it is not necessarily the right way to do it, or we've mm -hmm. always done it this way. Or that's one of the most dangerous way. phrases in in the industry is we've always done it this way. <laughs> You've got to think outside the box. You got to stay abreast. You know or you're gonna um, the other one is this is how we get paid how do you feel oh. when you hear that robin Ugh, yeah i um used to one of my clients i had a billing company for physicians too and one of my clients he was an internal medicine but he also did um chelation therapy mm -hmm. and um they were at a conference somewhere and uh they were telling me after the fact that this this woman came running up to them and said, doctor, you know, so-and-so, I won't use their name. Um, I can show you how you can get paid for chelation because it, it, you know, it's not a, it's not a Medicare benefit. It's not a covered service. So all the patients would pay out of pocket for this. It was just, you know, that's the way that it was. And uh, so they wanted me to talk to this person to find out how they would get paid for this covered procedure. I said, let me tell you something. I said, when you're, you know, billing for these services and you get investigated and they look, come in here and they see your little armchairs and all this equipment and the look through all of your, you know, medications and drugs and things that you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. they're going to come in here with guns. It isn't, it's not pretty, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I've heard that. And I have another compliance nightmare story. I, I think I mentioned this one to you too. I went to see a client. This was back in the mid nineties, I think, mid to late nineties. It was cardiologist that I was attempting to bring on as one of my billing clients. And there's a sign in the window of his office that says, we will waive Medicare co-pays. So I just picked it up and I turned it around. I said, did you know this is illegal? <laughs> so, you know, so it's a lot of things are just done out of ignorance, you know, but it's like, whoa, you know, yeah, scary stories. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I bet you and I, if we got together, we could write a book about our oh, scary yeah. stories that we've we've heard over the years. Um, so it, it's wonderful when I hear those stories of of um, well, not stories, but those resources that are out there that are really going to help us out. And they are going to be solid knowledge, you know, not I heard. And, and, and again, providers so often, um, they're clinicians, right? Their job is to heal people and take care of people. And so just like anyone else, if you hear that there's an opportunity out there, I'm sure everyone is interested in making more money one way or another, mm -hmm. but we have to make sure we're doing it right. Absolutely. Because if not, it will be taken away. And yes. that's a sad day. Very, very sad day. So um, 
let's see. Um, I think we covered everything that we wanted to cover. I did want to give a couple of minutes to the listeners. Um, Lexi, are there any questions out there from our listeners? Oops. Oops. Questions? I can't um, hear Lexi. Yeah, sorry. I can't hear you. I muted myself, but I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Can, can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we have a couple questions. Um, thank you, Samantha, for putting the resource link for the free tools in AAPC. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, there's so many questions today. I believe we're at our top uh, live listeners as well. So thank you all for coming. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, feel free to, you know, reach out yeah, to me we, too. We you... do our best to make sure that, oh, uh, I do want to do a little shout out. Just uh, uh, my good friend, Vanessa Maldivan. She is the one who turned me on to that AAPC resource there. So Vanessa, oh. thank you. And thank you from all of the listeners that web, that resource is absolutely incredible. It blew my mind when I saw it. Honestly, I'm still talking about it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, you know, giving back some, uh, that's the AAPC giving back to us is to develop something like that, you know. Absolutely. So Lexi, is there, is there any other questions that you see anybody specifically is asking? Now's your time, guys. We have the queen of denial here. So this is a great <laughs> opportunity. You've been struggling with a particular denial or denial reason code. Um, we may not have time to actually look into that specifically, but I'm sure that Robin and I could have some resources for you to help you in stopping those types of denials. So that, that's an awesome Awesome that we have her here today. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I just want to fun. remind everyone that all the links will be on the our description on YouTube. Wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, speaking of YouTube, I just want to remind the listeners out there that uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to our YouTube page. That way you will get notified when we have our new events that are coming up. So we're going to start adding a few events other than just the Coding with Christine Hall. We have an event that's coming up on March the 11th on Incident 2. Um, Incident 2 is probably, in my opinion, one of the most un misunderstood benefits out there, either not utilized properly or underutilized. And we're, we're losing that benefit when we have the non-physician practitioners, the, those mid-levels that are working, physician extenders, whatever you call them, qualified healthcare professionals working in your office. So um, definitely, if you take a look at that, Lexi, I think you're going to post something about that. And just for you guys and your friends, <laughs> there's a promo code. <laughs> so if you sign up for the Incident 2 webinar, it's a one-hour webinar. It's one CEU. It's a $20 cost, so it's not that high of a cost, but I'll give you 20% off if you use the promo code MARCH20. So again, our Incident 2 event is going to be on March the 11th. It's in the afternoon, so it's I think it's after work at 5 o'clock, 5 5.30, Lexi? 
Uh, five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Excellent. So pop in. We're going to have a chat about incident two. Hopefully you're going to get something out of it. If you're not doing it right in your office, you'll start doing it right. And if you're not using it at all and you've got those uh, non-physician practitioners, you can start getting some additional revenue opportunities in your practice as well. So that yeah, is that's definitely worth the, the worth twenty dollars. I have a question for Robin, actually. Super. Okay. Do you see any payer payment shifts occurring due to the new surprise, the new No Surprise Act? Um, not yet. I haven't really. Um, I really haven't noticed anything in terms of the types of denials that I deal with. But I'm. That's a good, very good question. I'm gonna keep my eyes out for that. I think that would be a great topic for us to chat yeah. about, uh, maybe on the next coding with Christine. What do you think about that, listeners? Would you like for us to have a little chat about the No Surprise Act? Seems like a very good topic because it's new, you know, and we all get confused whenever something, whenever there's some regulation that's introduced, it's like, oh, you know, we got to get <laughs> get clarity here. Oh, this would be Absolutely. a perfect venue for that. Well, we have come to the end of our time, but I wanted to thank you, Robin, so much for joining us thank today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And thank you, listeners, for uh, joining. Thank you. Um, how do our listeners find you? Uh, they can reach me at info, uh, I-N-F-O, at himcoders, you know, healthinformationmanagementcoders.com, himcoders.com. And I'd be happy to uh, respond. Awesome. And my you website. Have a LinkedIn profile that they can also connect with you on LinkedIn. Oh, I do. I see. Um, I think uh, it's go scrolling across the bottom. I think there. Lexi's already on top of it. Yeah. But let me tell you, she's a she is a a diamond in my in my world here in our organization. We we couldn't work without Lexi. So um, yeah. thanks so I much, need- Lexi, for everything that you do too. all right everyone well thanks again for listening reach out to robin she's got some wonderful tools that are available via her website she has a denial management tool that you could be using in your practice or in your organization um and join us next week i i think i already let the cat out of the bag of what we might be talking about there so uh thanks so much everyone and have a wonderful week thank you bye-bye everybody Bye. Thanks for watching. 